Hello and welcome to the Grocery Insight podcast with me, Steve Dresser. It's been a while since we spoke, despite promises of regular podcasts. Uh, things tend to get in the way. But um, there's so much to talk about at the minute, and obviously Lockdown 2 is now live. Um, and it's interesting, I was talking to someone this morning who said if you changed the word lockdown for curfew, would it be a different story? And I think there's some mileage in that if you look at what's closed down and, you know, the impact on retail. Um, I think there's certainly some mileage in the fact that you could call it a curfew, really, given that people's freedoms are restricted. And obviously the infection rates through the roof and we all understand the reality of filling the hospitals with COVID patients. But um, to do it in November for retail, particularly and hospitality, who have been hammered, uh, alongside beauty salons, hairdressers, etc., etc., seems near ridiculous, really, if you'd have said to us, in even in the height of lockdown in March, that we'd do it again in November. I think people would have been aghast, quite frankly. I think if you look at hospitality, and obviously there's a link to retail because of the shared customer focus and things like that, and obviously cafes and stores have to close again. Um, I think, you know, to my knowledge, not extensively, because I don't travel everywhere in the country, but from what I've seen and heard, everyone in that sector, or the vast majority, have done everything they can around being COVID safe. Certainly gyms as well are another business where they've done everything that that I have seen and heard around, you know, washing equipment down and distancing limits of, of numbers in, in, in the building. Um, and it seems very, very harsh then to penalise those those businesses really they're the collateral damage that we, that we face for um, you know the situation we're in when you could obviously say the universities, schools to the next time, and other things such as eating out to help out have impacted and, and added to the spread but I think if you look at um, the investment by businesses and if we look at Tesco as an example we know that Tesco's rates um, you know holiday if you like saves them somewhere in the region of 550 million quid this year. Um, but their overall spend, I think, at the half year was flagged at 900 or so, but it depended on a second lockdown, which we're now in. So clearly uh, there's going to be another, you know, there's an additional gap there that they've got to make up. And I know sales have been good, but sales don't mean profit in food retail, especially we know that there are huge challenges with the mix at the best of times, you know, a lot of the stuff that makes the money and did make the money in the 2000s has moved online. Non-food, clothing to an extent, a bit of both, uh, electricals, a lot of those things, whether the internet was really in its infancy in 2000s, we saw the expansion by all the retailers. Um, we've seen those move online. So it's not a case that people go into a Tesco, a big Tesco extra now for, for a kettle unless they need one. And I think those... Um, categories that Amazon have taken over. It doesn't necessarily equate that, that customers suddenly have gone to Tesco and bought everything because, you know, their local Argos this time is open, but last time wasn't open. So um, food sales were up dramatically, and that's great, as is groceries online. So is there, 102% up, so they've doubled that, that business, basically, in terms of sales in the half year. Uh, and obviously, a pandemic's aided that, but we know from that that the profitability in online is questionable at best in terms of a pure number we can't split out store picking because there are numerous things tied up in that you know for example if you just look at the basics click and collect is more profitable than delivery for obvious reasons but as we've discussed before if you're picking uh, if you're a shopper picking shopping for a customer there's automatically a cost there 
uh, another another link in the chain really um and that goes before all the other elements where the customer online is, is loyal. You know, they're typically a lazy, habitual customer, an online loyal customer. They will just shop at the same place as long as they don't, you know, really, ups- as long as the retail doesn't upset that customer. They're very loyal. Hence why delivery passes and things come out because it's obviously important to keep hold of the customers and the acquisition cost of an online customer is unclear, but we know vouchers are chucked around for new customers in normal times, so there's clearly an acquisition cost there. But... Um, you know, if you look at the costs involved, they are significant versus just someone going in and picking up their own shopping. Additionally, you've got the customer service costs or substitutions, for example. You've got customer complaints that people don't seem to hesitate to complain about an online service, whereas in a store, they may just think, oh, fair enough. So, for example, if something's out of stock in store that you want, you can opt to go to another retailer, pick something else. Um, but for an online customer, that's like, that's like the world's ended. You know, even you know with substitutions and things, you know, th- the online customer is, is, is greatly more demanding. Same thing with the delivery. If it's late, for example, there are elements of that where, you know, if delivery is late for whatever reason, customers are not happy, and that's understandable. But, you know, again, if you went to a store and you had to queue outside as we're doing social distancing or, you know, things were a bit busier than usual, you wouldn't have that or have that equity as a customer to be able to complain about the, the store's busy um, in p- pandemic time. Maybe so if it's social distancing, but normally you... Um, you won't be able to do that, but you know we are not in normal times. So it's clear that there are numerous changes in the, in the retail, and the fact that essential stores can open, stay open, like Wales, where that was an absolute debacle, closing everything down. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the profits are going to be there for the food retailers, because we know that the mix in store is different now. Customers don't necessarily buy non-food as they used to, as we've discussed. Toys is a different matter in November. I think we might see some boost there, but. If you look at the actual sales on clothing and indeed seasonal levels uh, of markdown, if we consider those for a second as well, on the flip side, you know, the retailers who have, you know, all the retailers have decent clothing offers and non-food seasonal offers uh, will have been hit with markdown this year because the holiday uh, didn't really come. Some people went away, but, you know, it were, then it were li- you know you were literally on the, on the knife edge if your place was going to be quarantined and you have to go sit at home for two weeks when you got back off holiday. So that did scupper a few holidays, but but you know the big getaway wasn't wasn't the same. So there was there was a, certainly an issue there in terms of markdown. The trade wasn't there. Clothing was was late because people were just sitting at home. They're not going to buy nice clothes to sit at home. Um, or, you know, there were no evenings out. There were no events. So that sort of market was was trashed. Um, so you know, there's a lot of markdown elements there. Same with the kids' clothes. Sure, kids grow, but. You know, that was the only real thing. You didn't have to really buy, you know, uniform, for example, given the kids were, were late back to school. Um, some schools didn't bother with uniform in the, you know, period before six, the six-week holidays. And also, if you look at the, non, you know, the events, the seasonal events, for example, Easter was virtually a, uh, you know, a washout, really. Uh, there would have been a fair amount of clearance there, given it was high of lockdown and people weren't sure if they could pick up Easter eggs as an essential purchase and stories of, you know, Gestapo-style policing, um, which I think was the police overreaching the marker or perhaps people misinterpreting the police's actions in certain stores, looking at baskets and things like that. Um, but I think broadly speaking, um, it wasn't really clear if, um, you know, if Easter was, was something to be um, really get excited about. I don't think it was. Uh, and I think, you know, the summer food elements probably did well from a food perspective, given everyone's at home, barbecues, and, you know, the weather wasn't too bad at the start of lockdown. Um, but if you look at back to schools, probably the first big event we had that was, you know, I guess something that you could say was tangible, thank you, know, thank you teacher, for example, where, where you know, retail, um, 
Dread Cabbage Roses and, and Gifts for Teachers was was different this year because you know a number of schools weren't back. Some parents may have thought the teacher didn't really deserve a gift for, for you know, finishing in March, perhaps it's a bit harsh. But you know, that was a different event. Um, you also got the elements within back to school that was you know, kids were back, but there probably uncertainty there. And also, if we you know overarching all of this is the actual economic elements and the pressure on con- on the consumer, where we still haven't seen the job cuts come right through because furlough's been extended quite rightly. Um, but you know, spending power has decreased, and I think. You know, you, we have got that element of the customer confidence being rock bottom, and I think that's the same for everyone. Given you know the pandemic's a great you know deal of unknowns, but we fast forward to Halloween, and and I think everyone knew Halloween was going to be different, but you know obviously the lockdown was announced on Halloween night, and and the event was most markedly different. I think pumpkins went well from what I saw, but I think the other stuff was a write off. I mean costumes, yeah, the kids got dressed up, but not not really for anything in particular. Um, and, and all the trick-and-treat loot bags and all that stuff that the kids get hold of for decoration and non-food elements weren't there. So retailers had to, had to take the mark down or they'll just store that stock away for next year. Obviously, that's tyres working capital up because they'll pay the supplier uh, for that gear as it left China and the Far East. And obviously, it's going to sit in a warehouse for a year. Hopefully, we're out of this next year and we can have a, a normal Halloween. But... There are elements within that where you think that's a hidden cost of, of, of retailing where, you know, markdown's obviously budgeted for, but not to the extent that it is and, and, and has been sort of seen across the market. I think if you look at Christmas now, you know, for even for, for core retailers, it's going to be a different Christmas because consumer confidence, gatherings are out. So, you know, again, food retailers, you know, all the big turkeys and things, um, they're not going to shift in great droves because people aren't hosting or won't be allowed to host. It seems unlikely that... You'll be having 20 round for Christmas. For some people, um, you know, not the prospect of actually being prohibited from seeing their in-laws on Christmas Day is, is probably exciting, but there are numerous elements where, you know, it's going to really impact people's Christmas and how they choose to celebrate. Uh, and obviously people may bend the rules as they see fit, but broadly speaking, from a trade viewpoint, looking overall at the market, and indeed, you know, re- retailers, it's very, very difficult to forecast what people may do but the, you know the buying habits will be very different and i'm sure retailers on their pre-ordering services have seen this um but if if, if you look at non-food so i think what we're going to see with non-food is peak customers are going to put the christmas trees up earlier this year i mean i think we're going on the first personally speaking we've got a fake tree now an artificial one but people will go early with the christmas trees because there's nothing else really else to do is there um you know there's nothing else to do for customers in november but i'd say the kids to school if you've got kids if not um, you know, sort of sit at home, um, which is difficult. You know, difficult for people. So I think Christmas trees are going to be up earlier than they would be, um, which means you've got you know a window of opportunity. And I think for retailers who who trade Christmas decorations, that's great. They'll be straight into them in November, and hopefully we'll shift some. Indeed, with the, the economic elements and customer confidence, customers are not going to necessarily want to buy, or indeed have the means to buy numerous new decorations and, and other elements for the home they're more likely to go with what they have and maybe pick some other bits of poundland or, or wherever but so you've got a, a, an element where the, the retailers can trade non-food decorations but how do they balance up the markdown prospects and when if assuming that 2nd of december 3rd of december as it will be john lewis all can reopen they're going to open with a sale straight away on christmas things because that first week in the normal times is your ideal window of opportunity for christmas decoration sales um, obviously online in november will will factor on that but um anything in store you know you're going to be opening with a sale now you know when you're buying your decorations and things as a buyer i'm sure that you've you know you'll forecast the price and you know you'll forecast the markdown elements and you'll do your numbers based on that 
and maybe you'll sell them at three quid and all in you make whatever. But you want a forecast today and opening with a sale at, you know, maybe 25% off, 50% off straight away. So that immediately trashes some of the business cases for categories and, and individual product lines. And I think that's that's the problem you've got with the, with the lockdown is that it's okay saying that, you know, retailers will perform and they'll still sell it, but at what price? At what price are they going to sell it? And that's what's going to have a, that's going to, that's going to weigh heavy on the results into next year now because, you know, you've got a significant amount of markdown in the tank, um, you know, and, and impacts on profitability as well with that. So, you know, there's, there's a big consideration, I think, for everyone to sort of think about. And obviously, your smaller retailers, your independents, I'm not a huge fan of the independent bandwagon where we just celebrate people being independent and then sort of forgive every, every other retail's sin. But I think there are a hell of a lot of good independents out there who've just basically been cut off at the knees in November, which is a very, very busy time for retail. In some cases, busier or as, as busy as December because people want to shop earlier anywhere, time poor and everything else. Uh, and just to have their trade cut off in November is, is horrific. And I think even with the, the various packages the government have, have brought out eventually, there's nothing that's going to be able to replace that, you know, in terms of what they've bought, what they've got, and, and you know, really getting themselves going from an individual viewpoint as an entrepreneur, you know, a business person getting themselves going for trade after a lockdown and being a bit unsure about safety, but then everything's okay and things pick up and people come in and then just to be in your sort of form and a little bit fitter, if you like, and, you know, excited, and then just have that lockdown swoop upon you, announced and done. Um, as an individual person, having to get up, how do you sort of fill your days? I mean, I know people say social media posts and click and collect and online, and, and I've said the same, you know, you can do that stuff, but, you know, it's not the same, and I think it's it's hard for people to sort of get themselves up for it again. Um, and you know, the people have got, got financial worries as well, actually, where you know the things are weighing on their mind about numbers, personally and business. And um, you know, despite the you know, people being forgiving and, and lenders and things like that, it's still a difficult time for people in, in retail. And you know that that element of um, you know of, of, of it weighing on people, especially when they own a shop and, and have to sort of serve the customers in a very different way, I think is is it shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, understated really to the impact that it has obviously we all understand why we are where we are of course but you know a lockdown in november you know is is horrific really you know we've got a sort of as a as, as a, a group of retailers a group of, of people in the trade whatever um try to think about you know how things are represented to the to the government and 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 how the impact is is relayed and if anything else can be done, I think beyond what you know the government packages are. I mean, to announce you know forty percent self-employed grant when it's a lockdown, or indeed you know to tie people over is absurd. You wouldn't be able to get away with that. Um, you wouldn't be able to get away with paying people ninety percent of the minimum wage as a business owner. So why the government can it is another question entirely. And I think you know businesses are in the firing line for it all. And when times are good, sure we all pay. Everyone pays more tax. Um, but when times are hard, we also need to put our arms around, quite literally put our arms around, not, not just figuratively, all the businesses and think about the wider elements. It's not just financial support. I think it's it's wider than that, really. And there are numerous groups set up to protect the high street and, you know, committee after committee and, and, and board after board. But they spend four, four to six months actually scoping out what they're going to do. You know, they haven't done anything. And how many shops have closed in that meantime? You know, there are probably hundreds who've closed and 
we're still scoping out what the group's going to do and this committee's going to do that and that committee's going to do this and we just need to really get to the reality of the issue is that the high street is struggling full stop and what are people going to do about it? How are we going to overcome? Well, you know, what are the challenges initially? Not just I'll blame Amazon because you know, customers use Amazon for a reason. You've got to follow the customers. The customers are using Amazon for a reason and that's fine. But how um, how do other retailers cope and, co- and combat and compete with that? And that's not just independence, that's everyone really, um, you know. And I think the challenge is within this lockdown element is that, you know, there are some businesses that are going to go to the wall, I think, because, and it's not really through any of the fault of their own. You know, government mandated shutdown is unheard of. You know, it's, it's a terms and conditions element of the contract when you sign it with insurance, let's say, that, that, you know, act of God and things like that. You don't even think about, you know, a mandated shutdown or a pandemic because we, we've never had it. But obviously we have now and, and we've seen the, the effects of it. And um, I'm sure the lockdown will have its desired impact desired effect but going into December just coming out of a lockdown where the rates have been high it's hard to see how we can then justify people people piling into stores to shop and say that's actually okay so I think really um, it's incredibly difficult to grasp how the sector comes out of all this um and what we should do next because obviously it's an unprecedented situation but you know a lockdown November is bad for all the reasons described above and I think it's how um, we should sort of look to support the sector in, in 2021 um, and it probably would be more financial support as well actually because as I've said you know for, for the largest retailers the rates rebate helps the fact that they have to pay the rates helps but there's a massive caveat with the retailers that have stayed open. They've not just been reaping the riches because they're not you know, reaping the rewards even. They're not, um, they're not necessarily selling the things that will make profit. They're selling a lot of the stuff that doesn't really make a great deal of money and that costs money to ship and send into stores, you know. Um, I think toilet paper, you, you know, roughly, in some cases, one pallet would, would go into a bay in a Tesco. And if you've emptied the aisle, 24 um, pallets will fill a wagon, Um you might have 30 bears. You won't have 24 pallet slots necessarily, but you might have 16 of the largest route lines. So that's nearly a wagon. That's a one store. So there are costs everywhere down the track. You know, all around the, the track, there are costs, extra PPE, extra temporary workers, sanitizer. You know, it's all got to be paid for. And that's the same thing for the smaller businesses. And that's the biggest killer is the fact they've, they've done what they can. They've followed the guidance in many cases. They've spent the money that they may not have had. I mean, it's okay talking about bounce-back loans and everything else like that, but the reality of that is you've still got to pay that back. Um, you know, and, and people have took out loans in uh, May, June last year, thinking, well, oh, great, we're okay. Suddenly, after with another lockdown now, that, that, that payment's getting ever closer. That, that suddenly does look like an issue, whereas maybe in, in May, June, they wouldn't think it would be an issue because you think, well, we'll come out of the lockdown, we'll be fine. So there's been an increased amount of spending. The cost of serves risen, but they're still unable to trade. And without, with all this, even the trade when things reopened, the footfall wasn't necessarily or wasn't as good as what we'd seen previously before the pandemic because people had changed their shopping habits. People were scared to go out. You know, the economic elements of customer spending power has decreased and it's been a perfect storm alongside all the rising costs, the rise in the minimum wage, you know, the rising rates and the messing around with rates that we still see, um, you know, the property costs that won't go away. Um, how does retail that's in the firing line get 
some support from someone in the trade or indeed at government level because, you know, Lloyds Bank closing, uh, giving uh, several people thousand people redundancy again and and job cuts there. has got more press than John Lewis and Sainsbury's that are just lumped in today um, with with the news yesterday. Just, uh, you know, they sort of lumped all in together. You know, retail is a huge employer of many, many people. And, you know, it's kick-started many, many people's career. But until, you know, the sector gets some support at a government level from a practical group of people who are going to actually try to protect the sector and, and give some representation then we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to keep talking about the same stuff. But we're just going to have a race to the bottom. And we end up just seeing like we have in food to an extent, running the least worst stores. Um, you know, almost if you, you know, you know, if you don't totally impact a customer's day, it's great, but forget trying to exceed their expectations. And it's just a homogenised market where there's no real differentiation, but it's okay we're saving money. And I think you know, we don't want that for, for retail. We want a good, strong, solid retail sector. Um, and we can have that, but we just have to realign things. But we can't just keep saying it's okay, there's a few thousand job losses at a retailer, that's okay, because now it's not okay. Um, and the sector's been dis- disproportionately hit by the lockdown, as others have, hospitality has been hammered, and there are another sector who've done their best um, to comply and reduce numbers. And, and this is the thing for hospitality. When you open a restaurant, your business plan covers, will be, I don't know, 40, let's say, if you suddenly can only fit 30 in, uh, at peak time at best with social distancing, you're opening the business to lose money. Now, that's not a, an unviable business because in, you know, normally they could, it's not like they've set a business plan of 40 covers and they can only ever fit 13 because the building's too small. It's an unviable business when you only fit 30 when you've budgeted for 40 because um, of a pandemic. So, so how does that work and what happens there? And I think it's the same thing for retail. You can't get people in. People won't queue necessarily either. So what do they do? Do they go online? Um, if you want to go to Primark, you can't go online. They don't do it, and they're not going to do it. So people go into stores, and that's great. But people won't queue forever. And I think it's it's how how things are managed and what that looks like. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't have the answers. I'm just merely highlighting the fact that we seem to have a great number of groups they're associated with retail and, and, and help and all this. Um, many of them don't ever visit a store, I don't think. Not that you have to visit stores to have a clue, but it does help. Um, but we don't get any answers. We get a lot of people congratulating themselves, doing a great job. We've got another committee going. We're doing this. We've appointed these people. That's going on over there. We're going to go look in Belgium. Uh, but we don't get anything. We don't get a representation. We don't get a direction and things like this happen and, and everyone's looking around at each other and then we blame Amazon, which is okay and understandable to an extent. Having said that, I'm not don't subscribe to that thought because they do a great job for customers and that's why customers use them um, because you see many a, an online-only business go bust before um, you know, because they couldn't do the numbers and couldn't make it work, so you know, credit Amazon, but... The problem is that they are um, they're everywhere, aren't they? And if 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 supply of a store is restricted, if if you know opening hours are restricted or indeed stopped, and people can't go to stores, then then their automatic thing is Amazon. You know the mental availability viewpoint. If you want to check a price of something like a lawnmower, you probably check Amazon as a as a rough guess of of, of where it should be in price because they're so good. They do match everyone on price. But um, and and how you overcome that for physical retail, I don't know. But we need to 
as a sector, I think, get together and work out what's what's going to happen. But we need they need some do some proper representation. There's no point in everyone just sort of holding hands and cheering each other for, for for delivering zero because it's not right and it's not on. And you know, independents now need help from people collectively, you know, to to sort of overcome these challenges and help with tech and online. And can we help? You know, bit of a guidance. And there are a lot of people who would help. I appreciate that help. I'm sure. But you look around and there's no one sort of pulling together to offer any help. Everyone's just sort of having a go and, oh, you know, and, and look how great this is. And when we get back to normal, it'll be this. The retail on the high street was dying before the, the pandemic came along. He's going to accelerate that. And we're not going to come out the other side, I don't think, unless people sort of wake up and smell the coffee. Um, people aren't going to, you know, competitors and other people aren't going to wait for another committee to be set up to decide what to do. So, yeah, it's a difficult time. For all, I think food as well, and you know, there's not it's not milk and you know it's not the land of milk and honey in in food retails. We've discussed there are numerous elements there to to to, to navigate. But at least they're allowed to open. Um, but but for retail itself, whether the second of December comes and it's lifted, well, it will be lifted. It looks like, but whether other restrictions will be put in place, and actually, you know, it's hard to see whether the hospitality will be allowed to open or restricted, or whether we'll go back to a tiering system, which means that some for some places, Debenhams normally do well with their calf, you know, and so their and so cafe performs well, and it's a footfall driver. Whether that's going to be allowed to open after lockdown, it's hard to, to understand if that is the case. Um, so even coming out of it, it's going to be difficult. And let's be honest, we're not. It's hard to see retail or anyone getting you know, advance notification of that before, rather than you know the usual two day panic beforehand. Where it seems everyone's been asleep at the wheel in government until two days before, realising that the lockdown's going to be lifted and there's no guidance out, and then it changes 26 times. Then there's a leak to the paper and it changes again. So, you know, you've got to be comfortable being uncertain. I, I appreciate that, but um, there needs to be a bit more help, I think, um, and a bit more reality. Um, I don't have all the answers. I'm just pointing out what I'm saying, what I think. It's up to you if you agree or not. But, um, but yeah, so that's that. I mean, obviously lockdown too, very, very strange times as we know. Um, we've got a lot to talk about, actually. We'll come back again. Let's talk about, well, we're going to talk about Brexit at some point. That's still going ahead. No, no, you know, there's no danger of that being postponed. That's another question mark for retailers. But um, we've also got Sainsbury's job cuts to talk about and John Lewis and their strategical plan. Um, if you can call it that, it's very interesting times um, to sort of build a business on the back of two things you've no real experience in. Um, and say it's going to make 5% profits. Uh, it's interesting. Um, and Sainsbury's as well, closing all their counters, which I sort of assumed was the case on Twitter, but they're not read the release fully, and so it's in the release, amazingly. So the BBC had picked it up. Um, and I thought they'd picked up my tweet as fact, but that, <laughs> I don't think they had. Thankfully, they, they'd read the release properly, so that's a big shock. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll come to that as well next time, but I just want to sort of drop some thoughts on lockdown too, and, and to let everyone who's, you know, dependents, whoever's out there, you know, you're not alone. Reach out to people, reach out to myself, uh, Twitter, at Dresserman, um, or indeed ping me an email via the website, groceryinsight.com, soon to be relaunched and redesigned. Um, and if I can help, I will, and you know, I'm sure other people will as well. It's just there's no collective effort, and, and that's the challenge. Uh, but stick with it, stick with it. You know, the one thing about retail is it's a great meritocracy. If you're good enough, you know, you will get your rewards, and people are out there, they're looking, they want to help, they want to buy and support assuming the product's right and the price is right and the service is right, but you can differentiate on things. You know, the price is not to be the lowest in the market. It's not to be rock bottom. As long as you're giving something else we're alongside that that's worth it. Um, and people remember that. People remember the product far longer than they remember the, than they remember the price. 
Um, you know, it's all about the value piece. Um, and I think if you look at a value, a value piece, you wouldn't go to a brain surgeon and, and pick the, you know, if you were in a private healthcare world, pick the cheapest brain surgeon. You know, I'll go with this guy. He's cheap. He's just died. Um, you know, this guy over there, just, he's done some YouTube videos. He's having a go. There's, there's elements around, in and around that, that form part of a customer decision-making tree, if you will. There are numerous things that they pick, and there are some customers who are hugely price-sensitive. But it's not always ever about price, and it can't ever just be about price. It's one part. It's normally a big part, and it's a bigger part now with the economic elements. But actually, at the minute, there are numerous other pieces of the puzzle that, that you know you can differentiate on as an independent. I think it's important to think about those. Uh, and what can you do and what's the reason why you know, people should, should trust you or, or buy from you and I'm sure there are many you know demonstrate the expertise the individual elements of, of your service and, and people buy from people you know, it's really important to remember and, and but it is hard then to put yourself on show as a almost a circus act if you will on a unicycle juggling your, your juggling balls trying to persuade people when you know you feel dreadful yourself and it's grim and you've you know you've you've you know hopes hard to come by and things like that and of course, everyone understands that, and it's hard, but, you know, you, we will get through this, all of us collectively, we will. Um, we just have to find a way to, to do that. Um, but, you know, personally, I'm here to help if I can, and, and please do reach out, and, and I'll use my platform if I can to help others as well. Um, but, yeah, but overall, you know, a strangely positive ending for what is a miserable podcast as ever uh, from, from the you know, biggest cynic in retail. But we are where we are as well. I'm very believing realism. We are where we are. We've got to sort of get on with it. So we've got to find ways to do that. Um, but yeah, so next time, let's talk about those things. Let's talk about the Sainsbury's job cuts. Let's try to do it more regularly as well. And that's obviously on my end. But um, we're locked down. We should be able to do a bit more, hopefully. The office is a little bit quieter too. So um, yeah, it's a big positive in that respect. So yeah, okay. So if you want to get in touch, um, pod, P-O-D, at groceryinsight.com or tweet at dresserman. Uh, website groceryinsight.com uh, and you can get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify uh, and all the other uh, podcast platforms I think if there isn't one or there's one that you find us that we're not on then do let me know and we'll, we'll add it and it's quite a laborious process but I think we're on most of them now um, but yeah thanks very much for listening see you later <laughs>